voices to hear tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, may the Lord help us tonight not to be ignorant of the devices of the devil. Now, with that in mind, I want to read Matthew chapter 16 and our Lord's words in verse number 13. Bible said in Matthew 16, 13, if you'd like to stand, you may. Bible said when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if old brother Simon ever did knock a home run with the bases loaded, he did it right there. He said, Thou art the Christ, the chosen one, the sent one, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, now don't take it wrong like the Roman Catholics, the word Peter means a small stone, a little pebble. But Jesus said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I believe he pointed to Peter when he said, and thou art Peter, and then he took the same finger and probably pointed back to himself and said upon this rock, Upon himself is what he's saying. I will build my church. And it's his church. You understand that? It's his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I like that, ladies. That's a promise that Jesus made unto us. He made it unto Simon Peter. He's made it unto every believer that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Verse 19 also. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that that he was Jesus the Christ. Now you can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. I want you to keep your Bibles open tonight. We'll use them places tonight that I want to read from and I want to deal tonight with the devices, one of the tremendous devices of the enemy. Now, here in Matthew 16, Jesus is making a statement here and a comment about the church, how the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I know that in the Inquisition, that's in days gone by, I mean, the church had to go underground. I mean, there's times when it looked like the devil was going to succeed in trying to put out the church of the living God. But the church has always prevailed, and it will prevail unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The atheists and the modernists and the agnostics 
can howl and rant and rave, but the church of the living God shall continue unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the way the Lord said this. He said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They're not going to prevail against it, friend. The church is going to continue to be triumphant unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know where we are dispensationally. We're in the dispensation of grace. We're coming down to a close of the church age. We're probably between the church of Philadelphia and the church of Laodicea. The word Laodicea means the rights of the people, the justice of the people. And that's about the average Baptist church today. They want to have it their way. And that's what Laodicea means. And the word Philadelphia means brotherly love. And somewhere in between there, that's where we are as far as the church age is concerned. But I'm glad that the church is going to be triumphant. I talk to a lot of people and try to witness to people and invite them to church. In revival meetings, when I'm in communities and stand in a motel, I invite the maids and I invite the desk clerk and I invite people to the church. And you know what? People, I mean, everywhere can find a lot of fault with the church. Oh, they'll say, oh, so-and-so goes up there and if so-and-so saved that then I will will not have any problems. Uh, you know what they're trying? And then they'll say, there's a bunch of hypocrites up there. And, and what I want to tell them is, well, why don't you come on? Uh, one more hypocrite won't make that much difference. Uh, amen. They use all kinds of excuses uh, and they find fault with the church. Uh, I'm going to tell you the greatest living institution on planet earth is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm a member of the church. Now that's speaking about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm also a member of a local New Testament a Baptist church. Now, I'm a Baptist by conviction, and I'm a Baptist, amen, a capital B-A-P-T-I-S-T, if I spell it right. I'm a Baptist without apology. You say, now, Brother Buster, I'm a Methodist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm a Nazarene. We're glad to have you. I'm glad you're here. But I am a Baptist without apology. You say, why are you a Baptist? I'm a Baptist not because my daddy was, not because my granddaddy was a Baptist. I believe what the Baptists teach and stand for is the closest thing to this Bible that I have found. And if I find anybody else that's any closer, I'm a jump in the fence. I'll jump denominational lines if I find anybody else that's closer to this Bible. Now some of you got quiet right there. I'm not a Baptist because Mamma and Papa was. You you ask some of the people why they're a Baptist, they've got no idea in the world. I mean, they just say, well, that's the closest church in the neighborhood. 
That's where mom and dad went. Hey, Baptists believe in immersion and in baptism. We don't believe in sprinkling. No, sir. John the Baptist didn't sprinkle Jesus. He baptized him. He submerged the Lord in that water. I tell you something else Baptists believe, the right kind. They believe in eternal security. Everlasting life. Now, there are some Baptists that don't believe that. The right kind of Baptists that believe in everlasting life. Now, how are you going to argue with that, friend? Why Jesus said in John 3, 16, this is so simple, a man with one eye and half sense could understand this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. I mean, if you get saved and born again, you're saved for time. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher Seaton. I believe you can fall from grace and be saved and fall from grace. The only way you can do that is if you're married to a woman by the name of Grace and you fall out of the bed. That's the only way you can fall from Grace, friend. Amen. I'm telling you, I believe in eternal security. I believe when you get saved, that you're hid with Christ in God. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. That's what that Bible teaches. And if you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe that. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, I'm a Baptist without apology. But now, when I look at this, now wait a minute. There's more than just Baptists that make up the church. I mean, the body of Christ. There's some saved Methodists. There's some saved Nazarenes. I believe that. Hey, I'm not a Baptist writer. There are Baptist men who teach that if you're not a member of a Baptist church, you'll not be among the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's called Baptist brighter doctrine. I don't believe a word of that because they don't have a leg to stand on as far as Scripture's concerned. Now, they don't do it. And if you're a Baptist writer, I'll challenge you and sit down with you and you show me from the Bible. You take the Bible and show me how you're double first cousins with the Church of Christ. You know that's what they believe. Baptist writers believe you've got to be baptized by one of their preachers. They say that is in succession all the way down to John Baptist. And if you're not baptized by one of their Baptist preachers, then you're not a part of the bride. I don't believe a word of that. You hear me? And if you get out and stir around much, you'll be confronted with some of these things. But I do believe in the Lord's church. It's His church, friend. And you know what the devil hates more than anything else? Apart from the blood and apart from the Lord Jesus Himself, it was Jesus that kicked the devil out of heaven if you want to know the truth. Why Jesus is just as much of God, much as, of God as God the Father is. It's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. But it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. On equal ground. Co-equal. Co-eternal. 
co-powerful. Don't you ever get to thinking God the Father is more God than God the Son. And don't you get to thinking God the Holy Ghost is less God than God the Son and God the Father. They're co-equal. Amen. Now, with all that said, I find people all the time finding fault with the church. But I'm glad there's some things that are right about the church. Now, if you follow me around long enough, you'll find fault in me. And if I follow you around long enough, I'll find fault in you. None of us are perfect. And I want to say this. I'm glad there's some things right about the church. Number one, quickly, I thought about this. We've got the right founder. Amen. And the founder of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. He bought it and he paid for it. And there's no other foundation that can be laid than that which is laid, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, friends. Jesus is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone of the church. He's the founder of the church. Now, I'd hate to think Mary Eddie Baker was my founder. I'd hate to think that Cass Russell was my founder. You say, who in the world are they? Well, if you don't know, then you don't even need to know. I mean, listen, I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ is the founder of the church of the living God. Amen. I mean, the founder is right. The foundation is right. Amen. Upon this rock, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm glad it's a solid foundation. It's a sure foundation. It's a settled foundation. Oh, yeah, hammers of modernism, atheism, Catholicism have hammered against this foundation, but she's just as sure as she ever has been. Amen. Founders right, foundation is right, and we've got the right faith. The right faith. You say, what are you talking about? Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. We've got the right faith, friend. I'm glad I'm not in Mormonism. I'm glad I'm not in, listen, some of these cults and isms and schisms. We have the right faith. Faith, uh, the entire embodiment uh, of the scriptures, uh, the King James Bible, if you will, uh, uh, the Word of God. Now, if you're carrying anything else, uh, you've got corrupted bread in your hand. Uh, get rid of your NIVs, RSVs, ASVs. Uh, bad news for modern man. Uh, that ain't good news for modern man. Uh, that's bad news for any man. Uh, get rid of that NIV, non-inspired version. Uh, hey, get rid of every one of those uh, and get you an old-fashioned King James Bible. It's God's Word. God's Word. Got the right foundation. Got the right faith. Amen. Don't you think so? Got the right uh, uh, formation. Uh, I mean, this church of God, this church of the living God uh, has the right formation. Uh, uh, I mean, the Lord uh, saves sinners uh, 
and God the Holy Ghost puts them under conviction. He draws them. He woos them. And they get saved. And the Lord places them in the church. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He places us. And listen, he knows who to call for what? He knows who to put in as his under-shepherd. And by the way, that's how God works. God works through a chain of command in this Bible. And you can't get around it. God doesn't work through charter church members. No, no. God doesn't speak through the deacon board. You know what a deacon is to do? A deacon is to be an asset to the pastor. Not a liability, but an asset. The only reason they set aside deacons was to wait on the widows' table, those Grecian widows that were being neglected, and the daily administration, so the men of God could give themselves to prayer and to preaching and studying the Word of God. Now, where'd we ever get this philosophy uh, that deacons are to hire and fire preachers uh, and to run all the church government? You find me for that. You find that in this Bible, uh, and I'll eat every page of it right in front of you. It's not in that Bible. Amen. Most problems I've ever seen. I don't know who's a deacon in here and who's not. Don't even tell me. I'm telling you, most problems I've found in churches that. Uh, majority of the problems I found in churches come from two sources. They come from the choir or special singers, if you will. They come out of the singing department or out of the deacon board, one or the other. That's about where I mean the biggest majority of trouble that I have to deal with is among singing groups and then deacons in the average church. Oh, I see that's ruffling somebody's feathers. I feel it. I feel that's ruffling your feathers a little bit. You say, well, I'll have you to know I'm a deacon. I've been a deacon 50-something years. And you know what deacons think? They think they leave one church and leave this church right here in Macedonia, which Macedonia, if they did it right, they set aside the, the God calls the man of God. And the church sets aside deacons. And the church can set them aside and the church can unset them aside. You got that right? Deacons are not ordained for life like a man of God is, friend. You don't find that in that Bible neither. That come out of your Robert's Rule of Orders or your Pendulum Manual. It didn't come out of that Bible, friend. No, and they think they leave one church here at Macedonia and they go up and join Calvary Baptist Church or they go up and join uh, Brother Hal Chris where he pastors his pastors uh, or Brother Lee. I mean, what I'm saying is they go from church to church to church uh, and they think they're still a deacon. That's not in this Bible, friend. I just thought I'd tell you. Some of you act like you didn't know that. That's not in that Bible. Now, don't get me off on that rabbit trail right there. I, I think I run that in a hole and it gets fur on in that stick. I, I'm just, if you're, if you're a good deacon, God bless you. I just ain't, I've ne that's not good English. I just have never met many. Amen. Most of them I met want to run the church, run the pastor, right, and hire and fire, right, and think they're the daddy rabbit of the whole outfit. Amen. I just tell you that. But we've got the right formation. And we have the right, uh, formula 
The formula for the church is the blessed word of God. Here's what we need. We don't need Field and Stream and Sports Illustrated. We don't need the USA Today. We don't need, listen, this old line. I mean, what we need is the word of God, line on line, verse on verse, and just preach, thus saith the Lord. That's the best formula. Amen. Now, you've got to, you've got to mix it up a little bit because Simon Peter said his newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, some of you ought to get out of that stage. Some of you have been saved 25 and 30 years and you're in a playpen and your thumb's stuck in your mouth and you're saying, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's all you know. And if a man gets in Hebrews, or if he gets in Nehemiah, or if he gets in the book of Revelation, oh, you say, how deep. I mean, how deep. Listen, friend, you need to kick the, so listen, kick the slats out of your playpen, throw the milk bottle aside, and say, man of God, feed me with some meat. Amen. Amen. I tell you, listen, I like milk, praise God. But you look at me, you, I ain't living on milk. Honey, I like a steak every now and then. I, I like mashed taters and green beans and fried okra. Amen. And meatloaf. Bring on the groceries. I, I like the groceries. I'm beyond milk. Huh? Amen. We got the right... I'm just trying to work a sweat up right here. So I'm trying to. I'm going to get to preaching in just a minute. Some of you think, well, what's. I'm going to get down to where it's at in just a minute. I'm telling you, there's things that are right about the church. We got the right formula and we have the right future. The right future. By the devil to have you believe the church is going out of business and the church is folding up. No, sir, friend. The church is getting ready to go up. We're not going to fold up. She's going to go up in the rapture. And for any of you that might be mid-tribulationless, I'm not hanging around for the middle of the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. I'm not hanging around for the middle of the time of Jacob's trouble. I'm not staying the first three and a half years. There's another crowd that said they're going to stay the last 18 months. I'm heading out on the first load. Revelation 4.1. I'm headed out in the rapture. Not going to be a rupture. He ain't going to take an arm and a leg and a, and a half of an eye of his bride and leave the other part behind. Lord have mercy. You know who used to preach that doctrine? You know who I heard preach that doctrine when I first got saved? When I first got saved and started studying and listening to the radio, which was a mistake in some areas, I heard a man by the name of Jimmy Swayback. You remember Jimmy? And Jimmy was preaching that the church... Half of it was going to more go through the tribulation. I never have believed that. I ain't going to swallow it in that. We got the right future, friend. And our future, if you look at it right, it's bright and it's promising. You say, preacher, it's getting dark out there. Like you preached last night, sin is abounding on every side. I know that, but for the church, the future's bright, friend. Hey, we're getting ready to head out of here, son. We're getting ready to get harpooned, harpazoed, raptured, caught up. Getting ready to get out of here. 
There's some things that are right about the church, man. I just say that I don't I don't even like to be around that crowd at all. Go to find a fault, find a fault, find a fault, find a fault with the church. And most of them won't even attend it. Amen. Now I'm talking about I wanted you to see there's things that are right about the church. And the devil hates it. The devil hates the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You hear me? He hates it more than anything. He's fought it from its conception. He hates it because the church propagates the gospel. The church glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. The church! The devil hates it. Now, if you think the, if you think the devil loves Macedonia Baptist Church down here, your, your lights are on. Your lights on, but take nobody home now. And as Brother Ed Blue used to say, your elevator is not going all the way to the top. You're, you're, a, you're a brick shy of a load if you believe the devil loves Macedonia or any other good. I mean, solid Bible believing church. The devil hates them. And the devil's big guns are turned on the church right now. Now, I want to show you some things. I'm talking about the devices. I want you to see one of them tonight. One. And the Bible said, be not ignorant of the devices of the devil. And I, I, there's several that the devil is using today. I'm, I mean to break down the church and, and to destroy the church and bring confusion. I, I, I mean, there's several things. Now, I'll give you just a couple, and I'm going to major on one tonight, so stay with me. I'll tell you one thing that's ha happening today. There's a decay in morality. We, we touched that last night. There is a decay in morality out there. And you know that's so. We're at an all-time low as far as morals are concerned. Whoever thought we'd live to see when presidents would cater to the sodomite crowd to get their vote. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. And I'm not an Independent. I'm a born-again child of the King. Now, I don't know what you think about that in Catele. Amen. I've seen some of you went, when I said Democrats, you will nod your head. And then when I said Republican, I saw some of you swallow your tongue. I'm neither one. Now you do know, I mean, we, we know what Al Gore's going to do. Al Gore's done went to police, I mean, politicking with that homosexual crowd. And I read in USA Today paper just the other night, and this man by everybody's floor, Mr. George Bush down there, he even got with some sodomites and heard their side of the story. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Hey, politics has been crooked from the very conception. They're so crooked, they'll have to screw them in the ground when they bury them. You hear me? That's just the way it is. The average politician is so crooked. Hey, he'll lie, he'll, he'll lie out of this side of his mouth, and before that gets cold, he's lying out of this side of his mouth. They'll do about anything to get elected. You're welcome, God bless you. You're welcome. Hey, some of you, you, you've got it so ingrained in your blood. You're so democratic. You'd vote for Jesse Jackson if he was running for president. And hey, some of you, you're so much a Republican. You'd vote, listen, you'd vote for Hillary if she was running on the Republican ticket. Just thought I'd go ahead and ruffle your feathers I believe you ought to pray. I believe you ought to try to find the best man, the best one to try to vote for. And I'm going to tell you sometimes, I mean, they just know. Amen. 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 
Amen. I'm not looking for politics to change this thing anyway. Amen. And if you are, you're, I got some real estate up here on Fort Lauderdale Lake. I'd like to say, Amen. It's not politics. Not going to change this thing. I don't care who you get in the White House. Not going to change. No, sir. There's a decay in morality like never, never before. And you know what? You want to know where the real blame is? We don't like this stuff. You will know, if I've read my Bible right, and I mentioned it last night, I believe Jesus did say in Matthew 5, that ye are the salt of the earth. Amen. Ye are the light of the world. Right. And the reason moral beautification is setting oh, here, that we've lost our saltiness. Right. The church, the church has lost her salt. What the devil has done, that he was so wise. I mean, he had to find out the hard way. You can't hardly defeat the church from without. But he began to bring things into the church. A decay in morality. If you don't think these are bad days, friend, uh, God help us. I mean, these are these are old statistics right quick. Uh, and I want to I just want you to see what's going on in America on an average day. On just any average day out of the 365 you want to choose. On an average day, 5,962 people married. 2,986 get a divorce. That's over 52% of all marriages are in the divorce court. 3,000 teenagers. Every day, 3,000 teenage girls get pregnant. 3,231 women. Every day have an abortion, friend. There's a rape every 46 seconds in America. One third of teenage girls are sexually molested by the time they're 18. I'm going to tell you something. There's some things that's never been touched in these mountains and these valleys. I'm going to tell you something. Hey, there's incest going on. Incest uncles and aunts and daddies molesting their own children. That's wicked. 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 I'm telling you, listen. America leads the entire world in illegitimate births. There's more illegitimate births in America than any other nation in the whole world. 20 teenage suicides a day. 20 teenage suicides a day. Are you listening to me? Uh, it's, listen, it is, and I just jot it down here. Uh, it's the second major cause of death among teenagers, uh, only behind auto accidents. Suicide. Teenagers blowing their brains out, uh, and they say there's nothing to live for. Uh, nothing to live for. Uh, if you know the Lord, there's something to live for. Uh, if you know Jesus, He can put peace uh, and joy uh, and happiness uh, and make life worth living for. Oh God, listen, listen to me. We teenage suicides a day. Do you know it's the eighth major cause of death among Americans? The eighth major cause of death among Americans. Twenty million sex magazines, pornography, are sold and consumed weekly in the United States of America. Now, there's internet. Internet on your computer. I don't, I'm not saying computers are wrong. I'm not saying that internet is wrong. I'm saying you are foolish and you are naive if, if you don't get a block on that thing and block out all that trash. You better hear me now, moms and dads. You don't know. Some of you are gray-headed like me and you're kind of naive about what's going on. 
They're showing bestiality. That's in the Bible. Men with beasts. Women with beasts. They're showing men with little children. I mean little six and seven and eight year old boys and girls with adults in sexual situations. Are you hearing me? It's on that internet. Any wicked, ungodly, filthy thing you can imagine is accessible on the internet. You better put a block on it. Now, you say, preach, you don't know what you're talking about. You better listen to me. I do know what I'm talking about. In our home church, there was a woman. There was one of our ladies of our church divorced her husband and left him over a man she met on the internet in one of those chat box rooms. There's a Baptist preacher in Knoxville. His wife left him over a man she met on the internet. You hear me? I hear it all the time. Brother Kid and I talk, and I mean, we travel all over America, and we hear it, and we hear it, and we hear it. Hear it, hear it, hear it. I dealt up here a while back. I come home. I'd been called. Mama called me on my car phone. She said, somebody's sitting in your driveway. And Mama was scared. She lives close. And she thought they was going to break in the house or something. And I, I tore out of the business establishment where I was and brought my family. And we come up through that. And when I got out, son, I didn't know who was in there. In my coat pocket was a 38 Smith and Western. My finger was on the trigger. And the hammer was hot. I mean, it's dark as midnight out there. And I walked up and laid that thing right up beside the door. I said, who are you and what do you want? I'm going to tell you, sir, I don't believe a preacher ought to do that. Well, you believe what you want to believe. Everybody out there don't know God. Do you hear me? You think I'm going to let somebody I mean, beat my family and rape my family. you got another thing coming. Uh, if they're not saved, I'm going to send them where they're going, friend. You, got, you might as well just get, hey, I'm not a pastor. I mean, we didn't get where we're at by just rolling over and playing dead. Somebody bled and died for this right here. And that right. Come to find out it was a friend of mine. I said, that'll get you killed enough. He said, I left my lights on. He said, I was hoping I didn't disturb nobody. I said, children going in the house. I got in the car and sat down with him. Here's a long story short. He's, he's a member of the Baptist church there in Knoxville. He said, my son just got kicked out of Christian school. He got kicked out at graduation at the end of the 11th grade. And he had one more year to graduate from a certain Christian school there in Knoxville. I said, well, what did he get kicked out of? Well, he said, uh, he, he, he said they, they just use a few little words. I said, what are you talking about words? He said, well, it's nothing more than just a few little cuss words. He said, ain't nothing bad. I said, nothing bad. He told me, I said, nothing bad. I said, I called him by name. I said, Brother Dan, what's wrong with you? You're justified. And they even videoed it on school property. And he, and I, 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 I said, he's wanting me to use my influence to get him in another Christian school so he could graduate as a senior and graduate from a Christian school. I said, I told him, I said, Brother Dan, I'll do it under one condition. I said, you send your boy to my house. I mean, you tell him to come tomorrow night, be here at 6 o'clock prompt. I got through with that boy. He thought he'd been to the judgment seat of Christ twice. I mean, he thought he'd been to the judgment seat of Christ twice. I set him down that swing outside, me and him there. I said, I called his name. I said, Daniel. I said, I want to know where you got those curses. Where'd you learn to cuss like that? He said, well, he's, I said, tell. Hey, boy. I said, look at me, son. Your, your future getting in that school lies on you being honest to me, boy. I said, where'd you? he said, preach. I said, y'all have a, I said, y'all have television in your house? He said, yes, sir. And I asked that daddy that too. And he said, I monitor what my kids watch. You are stupid. Amen. 
You can't monitor your what your kids watch 24 hours a day. You ain't there all the time, and they're there by themselves. And some of you got cable and everything else. Amen. HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, the whole nine yards. I know what some of you got. You said, how do you know? I'm just telling you I know. He said, I'll tell you, Brother Bush, I, I know what my boy wants. I said, well, I said, where'd you learn that stuff at? He said, on television at the house. I said, does your, I said, I said, does your daddy have a computer? I knew he did because he's, he's got his own business. I said, does your daddy have the internet? He said, yes. I said, have you ever, did you, you ever seen that stuff on the internet? He said, yes. I, I, I'm telling you, I quizzed that boy. I said, you ever drunk son? I said, look at me. I said, you, and he, he was going to Christian school. He, I, he said, yes, sir, I've drunk son. Got some things, yes, sir. I, you said, you didn't have no right question like that. I was getting ready to put my reputation and my name on the stake. I said, son, I said, I'm going to help you. I said, Daniel, if you got right with God, I said, if you, he said, preacher, I went before the church. He said, I asked the church to forgive me. He said, I asked God to forgive me, my parents to forgive me. He said, I know I've done wrong. And I've asked God to forgive me. I said, son, I'm going to do my best to try to help you. But I said, if you make one mistake, that's it. And I'll get you in on my name's sake. I said, you're going to answer to me, Lord. I said, Daddy, you know what that means? I said, I'm going to give you what your daddy hadn't given you in a long time. I said, I'm going to lift you, son. He's as tall as I am. I said, you understand? You believe me, son? He said, yes, sir, I do believe you. I said, I will lift you like you've never been lifted. I said, you need me to mark. I said, I'm going to call you. Call me at a certain time. I'm going to call that other pastor, that other school, and see if I can get you in. I called Dr. So-and-so, and I said, we got a, I got a situation. I said, can you help me? He said, we're in the business of helping kids. I told him the whole thing. I said, if you need us, he said, yes. We got there, and uh, went in there, and we sat down and talked, and uh, I tried to help him get in, and we did get him in. And by the way, here's something. Here's what he asked. The pastor there said, do you have your school records? He said, yes, sir. I said, Daniel, that night I said, you better say yes, sir, no, sir. I said, you better stand up. And when somebody walks in the room, I said, you better. I said, you hear me? He said, yes, sir. So that night, that he went outside to go get his records. And me and the pastor were sitting there talking in the office. And he came back in and didn't knock. He just walked right on in. I said, Daniel! He said, yes, sir. I said, you ever heard of knocking on the door before you walk in and two men in here talking? I said, get out that door and knock. And pastor's eyes got that big. He said, I'd like to hire you to work at my school. You know where that boy got all that stuff? Got it. What his daddy and mama thought he wasn't getting. Are you hearing me? These young children today know more than I knew when I graduated from high school. See, there's a decay in morality. You say, well, how's it influencing the church? How's it affecting the church? I'll tell you how it is. We're embracing it. We're embracing it, and we're indulging in it, and it's almost like we're enjoying it, and we're being entertained by it. You know it's right. There's more illegitimate births today in Baptist churches than ever before. There's more fornication among teenagers than ever before in the church. My little Johnny, my little Susie, my little Billy, my little Jonathan, my little Rebecca, they won't do that. Flesh is flesh, friend. Flesh is flesh. I'm still in the flesh. I don't trust Buster Seaton no further than I can pick him up and throw him. And I don't trust you half that far. 
I don't put no confidence in the flesh. You better not put none in yours or in your children's. Just had to deal with the situation the other day. Broke my heart. Pastor's son. Pastor's son who was a preacher. He's a young preacher. Dating this girl. You know what happened? You know what happened? Had a baby now, and he'd been sleeping with her, and he was the pastor's son, and he he was preaching. That Bible said, teenagers, flee fornication. Flee fornication. For every sin that a man committeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Hey, when you commit fornication, you have opened up Pandora's box. You have opened up something that you'll never, never be able to get over the rest of your days. Forgiveness, yes. But you'll open up something. Hey. I ain't trying to be funny. Oh, if you'd only dealt the girls I've dealt with, the young men I've dealt with. So what you think about the Bible? You believe this Bible? Proverbs 14, 9 said, Fools make a mocking sin. You say, I can do it, and I'm practicing same sex, and I you say, Oh, I'm gonna have to talk like that. Somebody better get to talking like this. I'll just practice safe sex. I take the pill and I tell you I'll get around it. You be sure your sins will find you out. Amen. You can't hide from God. Amen. You may be going around thinking nobody knows what you're doing. You're sowing your seeds and your wild oats. I promise you they'll need no fertilizer. And they're going to spring up one day and everybody will know what kind of seeds you yes, I'm trying to save somebody from disaster right here tonight. What about the Bible, Romans 1.32? Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do. Listen, not only that do the same, but have pleasure in them that do it. You know where some of you get your pleasure? You get it in watching all of that filth and trash right in your living room, right in your bedroom. And that's a video store. And there's the case. See, the devil's brought the world into church. If you're in a boat out there, if you keep the water out of the boat, you're safe. But honey, when the water gets in the boat, you're getting ready to go down. That's the reason you ought to praise God and pray every day for a man of God that'll stand and preach the truth in love. I don't mean I don't mean take your hat off every service. I don't believe in that. I, I believe every now and then the man of God's got to rear back and preach and preach and preach. I don't weed eat that. I don't always weed eat that fence behind my house. But every month I've got to weed it at least once. If I don't, it'll take over my fence. indulging in it where it seems like we're enjoying it and embracing it. It's amazing how people react with it. You may know this. It's amazing how people react to hearing about this high. You know about that high. 
There's a boy right there that's trying to preach his wife. Wasn't it about that time? Wasn't it about that time? Preach it You know what moms and daddies will start doing then? They'll say, oh, yeah. now you just, you just did a little bit over there. Right, right. I, I, and think that preacher's not changed his message, preaching the same thing he's always yeah. preached. Right. I'll tell you who gets offended, moms and dads. There's a decay in morality. Number two, there's a departure from the old paths. Yeah. That's one of the devices of the devil. Yeah. I mean, he's he's trying to he's trying to get us to swallow a new hook and allow it to sink in these days. Yeah. He's trying to get us to depart from the old paths. That's right. That's right. You know, I know how it is. I know how my flesh is. My flesh don't like the old time way. Is yours? My flesh, but I got to remember every day my flesh is wicked. My flesh is at enmity with God. And, and I mean, I've got to yield myself to God every day and yield my members as members of righteousness every day. And don't look at me like that. Your flesh hates this Bible. Your flesh don't want to read the Bible. Your flesh hates coming to church. But we've got to reckon it dead and subdue it and let the Holy Ghost work through our life. Not careful, we'll begin to depart from the old paths. We'll say, Ah, that's back in Grandma's day, you know. Ah, if that's the way they lived back yonder in Mamma and Papa's day. I'm going to say about Mamma and Papa's day. They had a lot more rest, rest than some of us have today. And Jeremiah told Israel, he said, Seek ye the old paths and, and ask for the old paths. And well, he said, You're to even ask for them. That's what he said. Ask for the old paths and walk you therein, and you shall find rest for your soul. You know what they said? Just like a lot of dads today, we're not going to walk. It's a new day, Jeremiah. Man, you're out of date, preacher. I mean, step up and get in with the time. I, I kept something out of the paper the other day. I, I kept it. I don't know where it said. I wish I could find it. I can hardly believe what I found. I don't usually call names like this, but just listen to me. Billy, Billy Graham is getting ready to put on a crusade, probably his final one. You know who's singing in that thing? Charlie Daniels. You know, some of you know who Charlie Daniels is. He's a rapper, baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hear me? First cousin to Jack Daniels. I like that. Yeah. I can remember that. Now, somebody write that down for me in case I forget it. He's got that. What he's doing in his son, who's going to take over that whole corporation, that whole business, that's what I call it, too. His son's got rock bands and rock entertainers, and they're doing anything to draw a crowd. And they're saying the end justifies the means. I don't believe that. Oh, the devil likes to get us to swallow that. Get us to depart from the old paths of preaching. You know what people want today? They want a good message. They want somebody that messes you. You, you, you know, I've met some of these preachers and they just melt with sugar. They're just sugar-coated. I, I mean, my Lord, I, I think in a minute they're just going to melt. They so sweet. Kiss all the babies, hug all the women, shake everybody's hand. I didn't know better. I think it's running for office or something. You hear me? 
Won't touch this, they won't touch that. Don't want don't, 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 no controversy. Now we got these Dobsons now, Swindolls. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Psychologists yeah. using psychology, friend. I'll tell you what Paul did when he came to town. He came preaching the word. John the Baptist didn't have but one message and it had three subpoints. Repent and then repent, repent, repent. Amen. That's all he had, friend. And that's worked down through the years. And if that ever stops working, call the dogs in. The hunt's over. There's a lot of Baptists don't like preaching. They say, well, I wish Jesus was my preacher, do you? Well, why don't you go to Matthew 23 and read his sermon when he said, you bunch of whited sepulchers? He said, you're clean on the outside and you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. He said, you bunch of hypocrites. That's what he called them. You generation of vipers. How would you like to have John the Baptist as you he said, Herod, point him out, said, it ain't lawful for you to have your brother Philip. What you're doing is sin, Herod, I don't care if you are the king. How would you like that, Paul? You want Paul for your preacher? Paul said, Epaphroditus, excuse me, Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. He said, Demas hath forsaken me. He called people by name, friend. Uh, and he said, uh, Timothy, them that sin rebuke before all. Amen. Rebuke him before the whole church. Amen. Others may be. Amen. Amen. We've departed from the old passage, please. Preaching on repentance. Not out of date today. Controversy like never before about repentance. Well, I promise you in the 1800s there wasn't no, no controversy about repentance. J. Wilbur Chapman, I tell you, listen, listen, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, I, I'm telling you, I, I read back in Spurgeon's day, and all of those men preached repentance. Simply means you take God's side against yourself and you plead guilty. Amen. You plead guilty to God. This crowd today won't say, well, you can get saved wrong in any way. You better just go right on smoking your dope, go right on your fornication and adultery and immorality. You just all just get disbelieved. Believe, believe, believe. Hey, the devils believe in fear and tremble. But they're not saved. James said that. The devils believe and fear and tremble. We got away from that on the This regeneration through the new birth. I'm talking about I'm talking about redemption from the blood, by the blood of Christ, retribution. I'm talking about hell and the lake of fire. Did you know, did you know, listen, he even went so far to say that there's no literal hell. Amen. I've got a document. Amen. No literal burning hell. Well, he just called Jesus alive. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus said in Luke 16, Jesus said the rich man died. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. And he said, being in torments, he said, Abraham, I'm tormented. In this flame. A literal burning hell. I'm going to take the Bible over in and so-called yes. scholar, Amen. preacher, doctor, and Amen. 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 Right. Trying to get to where I want to go to. I'm just working my way around that. Got away from the old time past. Praying. Praising. See, see, the devil's trying to get us that. He's trying to take the church 
got another direction and leave the old time land. And the Bible teaches if the landmarks be destroyed, if the foundations and the landmarks be destroyed, what shall we do? Here is, I call this right here. I want you to hear. This is the delight of the devil. This is the delight of the devil. This is his greatest device in the church. Disunity. Disunity. Are you listening? The biggest and the best one he's got is disunity. That's what he's got to do with every Bring disunity. Break for harmony. The unification of the church and the strength of the church. And, and he wants to get people at odds one with another and get seniors jealous of seniors and teachers jealous of teachers and, and preachers jealous of listen to me before God and the Holy Ghost in heaven and hell itself I, I promise you I covet no man's parish I, I covet no man's ministry I'm satisfied where God put me I mean that and that's not I'm satisfied oh the devil hates unity in the church there's one up above Knoxville called Unity. They ought to be called Discord. I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, some church names tickle me. I've seen some. I saw one named Compromise one time. Compromise Baptist Church. I saw it. I heard about it. No one's seen it. It's sad. That old country preacher called it Com. That Com. He didn't say Compromise. He said that Com Promise. That Com Promise Church. That's what that was. Huh? <laughs> Listen to me, because here's here is the devil's greatest tool in the body of Christ. He wants to get all of us preachers at odds with each other. He wants to get this side at odds with this side. He, I mean, really, and I go to some meetings. Listen to me. I get in some churches, and uh, they won't try to tell me, "Well, you can't fellowship with him." You can't fellowship with that preacher over there. I, I, I'm not in fellowship with you. Honey, yeah. you ain't going to tell me who to fellowship with. Amen. You got that? You ain't going to tell me. Amen. And preachers are some of the world's worst. You hear me now? Watch this thing about disunity and we'll try to get out of here. Unity is the state of being one. Can you imagine this? My body is in unity except for my mind. My mind, I've got a chemical imbalance. I got problems. <laughs> I have to take medication every day of my life. I mean, they're trying to keep this thing balanced up here. This thing is, and by the way, some of you look like you need to take something. And if the truth was known, you are chemically imbalanced. It just shows up on some of us worse than others. You say, I don't believe a word you're saying. What, what do you think happened to Adam when he fell in the garden? When Adam fell in the garden, he became less than whole. I mean, his mental capabilities. There was no way to measure his IQ before he fell, friend. But when he fell, he plunged the whole human race into sin. I have to take medication every day. My body, my body works in unity most of the time. Can you imagine if this thing over here got, if I'm, if I'm nailing a nail, if I'm nailing a nail, and all of a sudden, I missed the nail and hit this nail. Can you see this hand say you for the year? Just rip it off. You, 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 you see this, these teeth say, yeah, and you chew it, gnaw it, and all? 
No, that's, that is funny, and it, 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 it really is. You know what this hand will do? This hand will go against it. And this mouth will say, come up here. Oh. And my hair will come down here and say, oh. My ears will come down here and say, Because oh. when that finger hurts you, this whole body hurts. That's a simple analogy, friend. But that's the way it ought to be in the church. Unity is the state of being one, harmony, oneness, sameness. God wants us to have unity. And the devil hates it. Disunity, the delight of the devil. And I want you to see something real quick in the book. The inspiration of unity, we ought to look one there's one place we can look and see the inspiration of unity, and that's in the Trinity. That's in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They've never been jealous of each other. They've never fussed and fought with each other. I mean, they're, they're just, there's never been any disunity among the Bible. Are you? And that there, there's the inspiration. And the Bible said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. And, and Christ was in unity with the Father and in unity with the Holy Ghost. And every one of us that are saved ought to be in unity. Amen. In the church. Yes. The inspiration of unity. I thought about it. I thought about this. I thought about this, preachers, the ingredients of unity. And I took that little word unity. It has five letters in it. Five's the numerical number of grace. You know what it's going to take to keep unity in the church? Grace. Grace. And a whole lot of grace. That letter U to me, it's going to take understanding one another. Understanding one another. And then that letter in, nurturing one another. Why the Bible said, bear you one another's burdens uh, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. That letter I, yeah, I thought about interceding one for another. That'll bring about Amen. unity. Uh, hey, you can't pray for somebody uh, and be at disunity for them. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, and that letter T, tenderness uh, and trusting one another. And the letter Y, uh, yearning to be more like Jesus. Uh, those are the ingredients that'll bring about some unity. And the importance of unity. Some people don't believe it's important for the church to be a unity. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it is all important. It's so important. Listen, you'll find Psalms 133, verse 1. The psalmist said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. Brethren to dwell together in unity. It's pleasant. That word pleasant means soothe and calm. You know what it is to have disunity among you, marriage, don't you? Don't look at me and act like you ain't never had a crossword. Uh, don't look. Your dog could tell me different. Your cattle could tell me different. And the walls of your house could tell me different. <laughs> but you know, ain't it a blessing when there's, there's that blessedness? I don't like this. I don't like friction. I don't like it. I like to do this thing called for a Don't you like it? Yeah. I believe some people really thrive on this unity. Yeah. I mean, they, if, they's not, if, they's not, if it's not a stink in the church, they go stir one up. Yeah. They just like it. Yeah. The importance of unity. 
Verse 2 said in Psalms 133, It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down the skirts of his garment. Well, I bet that Susan Noang when they anointed him and that, that precious oil come down his head, went down into his beard and, and dropped down upon his garments. He was covered with that oil. And when there's unity in the church, the oil is a type of the Holy Ghost. There'll be some power in the church. You know why we don't have any more power in the church than what we do today? Because of this unity. Now, I do want to say this and I want to say it while he's living. While I've still got my mind up to say it, I appreciate Brother Chris. I was in that meeting with Brother Lee and Frazier. He came every night. He turned out his church to come. He turned out Sunday night to take his folk over there to hear Brother Phil Kidd. I appreciate Dr. Phil Kidd, Brother Phil. I did say, Brother, I appreciate the, I appreciate this kind of unity, but the devil don't like it. And the devil like to get you preachers crossed up with each other. So, uh, I, I, I mean, so Macedonia couldn't go down and help uh, uh, Victory or Macedonia couldn't go down and help Brother uh, Chris. But, and then we just sat down on half bushel basket and, and die. Yeah. The Holy Ghost put this in my heart to see it. You're getting it from heaven. you And the devil hates you. He don't want to Some people act like they want to say those things like that. Walk in church, say, I scare you off them all. Go ahead, I scare you off them Go ahead, just, you just go ahead and just knock them off. Oh, I, I'm going to go home. Oh, my. Preach, preach, preach. And start to stink. Get on the telephone, call everybody in the church. Hey! If you're not happy here at Macedonia Baptist Church, pick up your duds and go on down the road and find you somewhere where you can be happy. Don't cause a ruckus here. Don't bring up a bunch of disunity and discord and wreak havoc in the church. That's what I told that pastor's son-in-law and daughter Monday night a week ago. Pointed them out. Now, I called him by name. You hear me? I called that boy by name. Kenny. I called that preacher's daughter, Becky. And I said, you ain't happy here. Pack up and leave. Wow. I'm going to tell you, I just believe what Paul said to him that said that you before all. Honey, I couldn't pass the 15. I couldn't pass the 15 minutes and you wouldn't have to. The devil hates you. Watch this. Here's the iniquity of this unit. You know what the iniquity of this unit is? You know what kind of sin this is? Here's what it does. It helps our soul. I mean, the devil just goes over and lays down a shade tree, gets you a glass of lemonade. If you let me use that illustration, he just heads back and sits on in class. So I had to do nothing. Look at him. I mean, uh, hey, we we do the devil's job. He's the accuser of the brethren. Revelation twelve, uh, and instead of letting him do the accusing, we do it. It helps our foe, hurts our father. I believe this unity hurts our father. It hinders, listen, our faith, and it halts our fellowship. When there's disunity in the church, it stops the fellowship. 
Now, now watch this. I'm going to hail it some of you that shows you in this building. You're going to go out of here and look like you sucked on a persimmon, and I'm in agreement with that. Your lips are going to be fluckered inside out. You won't know what grieves the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, I believe, now I know long hair on the man sin. I know, well, listen, women not dressed right sin. I understand all those things. But you want me to tell you from this God-given Bible what grieves the Holy Ghost? Now you listen to this. Ephesians 4, 30. Said, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. Let all a double end, all bitterness, all wrath, all clamor, all evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has you. Amen. That's what grieves the Holy Ghost. You don't think you haven't been grieved? In the hostility it shows, the hurt it suffers, the harmony it stops, you ain't gonna like this, the hell it suffers. It serves hell. It takes the devil and lets him go on a vacation. Well, let me ask you a question. Could anybody in Ray County, could anybody in Rome County, what county do you need? Could anybody in Ray County or Rome County or Hamilton County or Knox County, could anybody come in here and sit down inside of you? They need to walk in this church. What they do? What they do? Hey, is there anybody you're at disunity with? You say, we preach, you just don't know something. That Bible said, let all bitterness, all wrath, all clamor, all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Ever be And be you kind one another. But you're safe. You just don't understand. Sure, it's the book. Open it verbatim. Hmm. Hmm. My face get red, ears get red, and blood pressure go up. Hmm. Storm out the door. You've got time. It'll take five more minutes now. Ephesians 4. Make sure you take your Bible. Book of Ephesians, chapter 4. In this chapter, did you know the word unity is only found three times in the Bible? Only three times. It's found twice in the book of Ephesians and once in the book of Psalms. Three times. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Here is the instrument of unity. This is what God has given us to bring about unity in the church. Paul writing to a local New Testament church at Ephesus. He said, verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. How are they to walk? Watch it. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Here is the instruments of unity. And if you notice what he said, look at these words here. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. That word beseech means to beg and I implore you that you walk worthy of the vocation. The word vocation means the calling wherewith you're called. We're to, walk, we're to walk worthy, as it were, as being a Christian. How is it that we're to walk? Watch this. With all lowliness. 
This, this is one of the key instruments in keeping unity. Lowliness. The word means right there, simply it means humiliation of mind. Humiliation of mind. Not cockiness, not arrogance, but humiliation of mind. We're to walk with all lowliness. Humility. Christ first, others second, ourselves last. Yes. And then we're to walk with all, what do you say? Meekness. That did not say weakness, it said meekness. It's talking about gentleness, mild, and non being obedient, and, and, and walking with the meekness. Brother Jeff Clemens one time used this word, and Brother Jeff said that word means uh, idle on your motor when you feel like stripping a gear. Just idle on your motor when you feel like stripping a gear. You ever felt like stripping a gear with somebody in the church? But you have to keep it lonely. Idle on your motor. Then he said, with all long-suffering, that's talked about patience right there. That word long-suffering means to suffer long. To suffer long. It means to, the ability to, to react without retaliation, without fighting back. Walk with all long-suffering. Forbearing one another, the word forbearing means to put up with. That's what you've got to do with me this week. Put up with I hope you'll forbear with me this week. My wife's put up with me 20 years. Today's her birthday. You know where I'm at? Preaching the Word of God. Our anniversary's coming up. Our 20th anniversary's coming up. It's just a few more days. i got a late start in getting married. I'll be in revival. She's forbearing. She's, she's put up with me. To suffer long. Forbearing one another. To tolerate, have mercy, means to have patience and leaning. And then how we're to do all this lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Literally means a love feast. It's the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. When it talks about charity. Charity or love. Bolteth not itself. Charity. It's not easily puffed up. Seeketh not its own. And it talks about how that love suffereth long and is kind. We ought to have some love about us, church. Amen. And the Bible said in there, it said endeavoring, that means to undertake an exercise, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We ought to work at it. we got to work at it. This is the instruments of keeping unity in Jesus. Got those five minutes we got in one I'm telling you right here tonight, you listen to me, this unity is the delight of the devil. He wants to bring this unity in the family. He wants to bring it into the marriage. He wants to bring it into the home. He wants to take it from the home and bring it into the church. That's, that's it. We, hey, we are just as strong as the weak, weakest link in the church. Are you hearing me? I thought about these verses. I keep them to you now. I'm going to jot them down. First Peter 1 Simon Peter said, See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Love one another with a pure heart fervently. Romans 12, 10, Paul said, Be kindly affectionate one toward another, one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. 
You what you what the Bible said in Philippians, it said, Let nothing be done through strife nor vain glory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem the other greater than himself. That'd be a happy, happy day in the church. When you come up to me and esteem me higher than you, and I came to you and esteemed you higher than me. That's, that's what the Lord wants. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love, one, two, another. That's how they're going to know. You hear And you go down at work, and you get on the workforce, and you get down beside another so-called Christian, you and him sit there and cuss the church and discuss and fuss and cuss the pastor in the church and, and there's that poor lost sinner. I, I mean, he's saying, there ain't a bit of love down there. First Peter 4, 8, Simon Peter said again, and above all things, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity, that's love, shall cover the multitude of sins. Want some more? Here's what Mr. Spurgeon said in our close. Charles Haddon Spurgeon made this statement. He said, the church of Christ, not the denomination, the church of the Lord Jesus is always quarreling, fussing, fighting. But he said, did you ever see the devil and his demons fighting? Have you ever heard of the devil and his demons fussing and fighting and quarreling? He said, they are so united that, if, that at any special moment, the great prince of hell can unite all of his forces and send them to, to one place. There's no disunity among the demons. Here's what he said. He said, if only the church could move in one great land, how we might prevail. But alas, the powers of hell far exceed us. I don't know nothing about anybody. Pop Ranger should be. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you that the Spirit of God may get on my heart. Disunity. The light of the devil. Let's bow our heads with preaching. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You say, what kind of invitation are you going to give to that preacher? I'm going to let the Holy Spirit give. I don't know how to get into this. I pray tonight you'd do this much. You'd search your own heart, not somebody else's. You'd search your own life and not somebody else's. Sister, if you'd come, please, and just play softly and just as I am without one thing. That five love you shed for me. I tell you two things we ought to do tonight. Number one, if there's disunity in this local assembly tonight, we ought to get on this altar and get it right with God. Number two, you better pray. You better pray a preventive maintenance prayer tonight and say, God, help me. Help me to keep all disunity out of my heart. Don't let me. The Bible said neither give place to the devil. Don't give him a place. Don't, don't, let, don't even give him a place in your life. I believe there's some folks ought to be down here praying with me. I'm getting ready to pray in a moment. I don't believe God sent this message just for anything. Just, 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 to be, just to be preaching. Is there anybody that you're at disunity with? Is there anybody that you are at disunity with? I mean, there may be some people that have to leave this service tonight and go home and call mom or call dad. 
Go home and call somebody you work with. A former pastor or something. I've seen all kind of things happen in revival services, friend, when we really get to get right with God. It's unity. The delight of the day. He'd like to bust this church. He'd like to bust our home church. He'd like to bust every church in America. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask a couple of questions. Pray be clear. Is there anybody in this service tonight? Is there anybody here that's a preacher seat? I'm not saved. Preacher, I, I know you've not even preached to a, to a sinner tonight, but I'm not saved, preacher. I'm lost. If I died tonight, hell would be my home. Preacher, I wish you'd have this church to pray for me. Pray for me. Is there anyone here that slip up your hand and just let us pray for you? Number two. I want you to be as honest as you can before God Almighty on this question. If you can raise your hand, this proposition I want you to raise. How many of you can raise your hand and say, Brother Buster, as far as I know, listen to me, as far as I know, put your seat. As far as I know, there's no disunity in my heart. For the man of God, church, as far as I know, would you just lift up your hand? Answer it honestly. Just a simple question. That's probably two-thirds of this congregation. There's one-third that could not raise your hand. And the only way we can get help is when God gives it to us. We accept it, receive it, and act on it. Why don't you slip out and join us in this hall? Moms and dads, except that you couldn't raise your hand. Wouldn't raise your hand. Would you like to join us tonight around this altar to get things right in your heart? See, if you're not right, if you're at disunity, are you hearing me? Or if there's disunity in your heart, then you're hindering the church. You're hindering the work of the Spirit of God. You're hindering the fellowship of the church. It's, it's imperative that we keep unity. What about us Christians? Thanks, missionary, pastor. Is it right in their hearts, man? Father, I bow to Jesus and come tonight around this altar. I want to pray with them. I want to pray for my own self, first of all, Lord. But I pray that you help me. But I pray that I wouldn't get away from you. I pray, pray, Lord, you have not to be interested in life. Lord, you put this on my heart to talk to you. Lord, I don't know anything about this except what you told me. Yes. I know, Lord, that unity is precious in your sight. Lord, you said it was pleasant. It, it, it was like that precious oil that was on Aaron's head. Ran down his beard to come to You said how pleasant it is to bless but I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say in the heart. I pray that you have to help me that I can come to the Well, I think there's some young people here tonight. I think there's a couple of young people who might be doing something. 
Well, I ask if you wouldn't stand. Just 